The Son of God, our Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, answers the question, which is the first, the greatest, the most important commandment. He says it is to love God with everything you have. If all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength love God, is there space for anything else to be loved by your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength? No. So what is Jesus revealing? That the key to understanding and applying the first commandment is that it is all about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says all the law and the prophets hang on this. The key to salvation is the revelation of how much God loves us. And the key to living the life that God has for each and every one of us is to love Him back. Love is the key. And the Bible says, if we love Him, we will obey Him. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a series called First. It's all about putting God first. And we're going to get very specific today as we do this. Our main series scripture, if you want to turn to your Bibles or your apps, is Matthew 6 verse 33, where Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He was specifically talking about that we should not worry about anything that the pagans, the unbelievers also worry about, but that this should be our focus in life. Last week, we talked about first things first. And we established that it is clear from Scripture that we need to put God first and by extension, His temple, which in the new covenant is now us. We need to put our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit first because we put God first. And by further extension, put the local church first because that's where we serve as the temples that we are of the Holy Spirit. Can you remember that? Amen. Did you get closer to living that out this week? Did you make a choice? Good. I want you to turn with me to a very interesting verse that is very near and dear to my heart. Martin, don't put it up immediately. I first want people to hear it and then you can put it up. It says in 1 John 5, verse 21, you can turn to 1 John 5, verse 21 in the New King James Version. It says, Dear children, keep away from idols. Amen. Some of you get it. Some of you are younger, have no idea why that's funny. Dear children, keep away from idols. Amen. 
One of the first times I shared my testimony after winning idols, I would use this scripture a lot. Thank you, Messian. Thanks, Jam. It's funny in my context, but it's also a short summary of the whole Bible and a confirmation of what our main message is about today, which is the first commandment. You remember this series called First, and today we're talking about the first commandment. For the next few minutes, it may sound like I'm talking about myself a lot. That is because that's exactly what it's going to be. (laughs) So I'm preparing you now. But I'm going to try my utmost to not make it about me, but, but, but a testimony of what God has done through my life. Okay? So I want to ask you a question, those of you who are a bit older and know what I'm talking about. So for the, for the younger kids, there was the show, it's still running, but it's on a different channel now. It's, it, it's called South African Idols. It's like The Voice. So you will know The Voice maybe. It's like The Voice. I did the first one. Okay. So with that in mind, don't you think it's extremely ironic, humorous, and clever of God to make me the guy who came first in the first South African Idols competition. I came first, remember our series, first, okay? We're talking about the first commandment. I came first in the first South African Idols competition. This year, it's 20 years ago. Yes, feel old. June this year is the anniversary. No one can deny or take away that that happened. No one can take it away from me. It is a fact. It happened. And it can't be undone. I will always be known as the guy who won the first South African Idols and came first. Well, came first in the first South African Idols. Why am I telling you this and repeating myself? Let's establish what is an idol. Originally, especially in biblical terms... An idol was a physically man-made God that people made with their hands, and it normally symbolized something in nature that they could see. And they would pray to it, thinking that this mute, dead thing has power. In recent decades, the world idol became the word, sorry, the word idol became synonymous with rock and pop stars, and it's actually quite an applicable word. Because people called fans, the word fans come from the word fanatical, which is a synonym of crazy. Okay? Would these fans literally worship these artists and treat them as if they are gods with powers from another world? Have you ever seen an Elvis concert where the girls faint when they are at the show? Have you ever seen a Michael Jackson concert? Where the girls faint. I haven't been to a One Direction show, but I'm sure it was similar when they were the it thing. And now you've got new guys. Ed Sheeran. I don't know if girls faint in front of him, but I'm sure they worship him in a way. So, because the music industry has kind of claimed this term idol, you know, a music idol, a pop idol, a rock idol, the focus of the show... South African Idol and all the other Idol shows, 
is called idols. Why? Because they want to discover yet another singer that fans, fanatical people, can idolize, look up to, worship. They're looking for another idol. That's the point of the show. And let me tell you, I struggled with this when I felt the nudge, the, the tug at my heart to enter the show. It wasn't an easy decision. Apart from the fact that I was heading into my LLB years of university after, you know, not, what's it in Afrikaans? It was not, they say it's a loobahn, not a renbahn. So I had my three years and four years done. And then I went into my LLB years. I felt uneasy about calling myself a Christian because I, was a, I became a Christian at 16. So I was, as a student, already a born-again Christian. Uh, and I was leading worship at the local church. And I, I felt uneasy about calling myself a Christian and being a worship leader. And now I'm entering a show literally called Idols. It, it, was, it didn't sit well with me. And I had opinions and people around me who said all kinds of stuff. But I had a prophetic word from God that I received three months before hearing even about this thing called idols. And I had an experience performing in December before the January of hearing about it where I knew that I knew for the first time that I need to make music for a living. And the prophetic word and that decision and the reminder that God gave me as I was thinking about whether I should enter or not was what made me enter. And I said to God, I'm going to stand in the queue and I'm going to audition. If it's your will, let me go further. Amen. Never in a million years did I think I would win. But I truly believe that God led me to enter a show called The Thing That He Hates Most because the Bible teaches us that what is wisdom to the world is foolishness to God. Amen. And what is foolishness to God is wisdom to the world. The Bible also teaches us that the first will be last and the last shall be first. And that the laborer who works one hour will get the same reward as the laborer who works the whole day. Our God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It is an upside down kingdom from the world. We cannot expect and think that we figure Him out ever. If I had followed the opinions of certain well-meaning Christians and bowed to man's understanding of this specific situation, I would not have entered. But since I became a born-again Christian, the one thing I learned early on was to move when God says move. Amen. Obedience is greater than sacrifice, is what the Bible teaches us. And it was sacrificial to enter the show. I was giving up my studies and my career as a lawyer. <laughs> I gave, up, I gave up privacy and I gave up anonymity. You don't realize how much that means until you don't have it anymore. I opened myself up to the court of public opinion and to the jaws of the music industry and the clutches of the dreaded media. But of course, it wasn't all bad. There were some perks. I got to do what I loved, what was my passion. I got a record deal. And I got to make music for a living. And yes, sometimes I got VIP access and some stuff were given to me for free. But all of that stuff does come at some kind of a price. And you only realize it when you are in that game. Okay, but back to the why. Why did God lead me to do this thing that doesn't make Christianese sense? 
I believe God wanted one of his sons to step into the role that the world meant for idolatry to usher in his presence and kingdom influence through that platform. I believe that by making one of his sons the first winner of the first idols competition, he put a stake in the ground that had a domino effect on the seasons after that in the spiritual realm. How so? Because I'm the first winner of the first idols competition and I put God first. Therefore, he is first. I don't think you get it. I need to read that again. Do you get it? He put me in the first position because I put him first. And because I put him first in my life as the one that is first, he is now first. Can you see it? And that has an effect on the whole series. Every series after that is filled with the presence of God. Because he put one of his sons at the first. Who put him first? Who doesn't get it? Because I can explain it again. This is huge. Because this is a principle that all of us can apply to our lives. Whatever position you have in life, whatever sphere of influence you have in life, whatever job description you have in life, you are there first. But who are you putting first? Yourself, your own interests, or are you putting God first? Did I live a perfect holy life from the get-go after idols? Regrettably, no. I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of sin. And I'm sorry about that. And I've dealt with that in my life. But luckily, by God's grace, His plan for my life is greater than my baggage, issues, and sins. And His redemption and reconciliation and grace was greater than all the mess-ups I could have made. But I needed to stay close to His heart. I needed to always come back to Him. Many times I was a prodigal son who had to return home. And one of my biggest lessons was to learn that I am a son, not a, uh, an orphan in his house. Today, 20 years later, I stand before you as your pastor. Leading a church. Who would have thunk? Definitely not me. Did any of you see me becoming a pastor 20 years ago when I sang in those weird little outfits they gave me? Anyway, okay. I want to give you one example of, I have many, but this one stands out for me personally, of how God has used the platform that He has given me, the same way that He's given each and every one of us a place of influence. Just because my place of influence was in the so-called limelight or spotlight doesn't mean it's more important than your place, wherever God has placed you. You need to know that. Remember, what is wisdom to God is foolishness to man, and foolishness to God is wisdom to man. And you need to know that wherever God has placed you, if you are faithful and you've been called to that place, you can make a difference for the kingdom. Here is one testimony that I'd like to share with you. At the end of, uh, in December 2019, I was invited to perform at a Christmas carols event at a church just outside of Durban. And I was part of this gospel, uh, this uh, whole Christmas carols event. And we did one in the morning. No, one on 
Saturday evening, one on Sunday morning. I can't remember exactly what times it was. But the first, the first time we did it, the, the, local, the pastor, the head pastor, shared the gospel in between the two sets. And this, then after we did the first one, he asked me if I would do the altar call, preach the gospel and do an altar call in the second uh, concert. And I had the opportunity to do that. I don't know if you've ever shared the gospel in just five minutes. It's, it's quite a challenge, but God led me and it, was, it, was, it felt powerful. And then afterwards, I got an email from the pastor. And he said to me, an old lady of 70 years old who has never been to church in her whole life because she was a little child in the, um, she had an experience in some Catholic church that, that just put her off church for the rest of her life. She never wanted to go to any kind of church ever. She came to this Carol's event because I was there. Now, once again, it's not about me. I want you to see how God worked through my life to reach this lady. She came to a church for the first time in her life of 70 years because I was singing and she voted for me on idols. She came to church. She heard the gospel five-minute message. She gave her life to Christ. That makes everything worth it. Everything. That is what our lives should be about. How many souls, how many souls can each of us bring into the kingdom if we would just put God first? You have no idea how we can use the platform that you have in your life. Give Him a chance. Be faithful. You will never know. There's a soul in heaven because I, I made a decision to do a show called Idols. How many more were there? And I know, apart from that, I've been to many other churches. I've done many other events where many hands went up. But that one stands out for me, and I wanted to share that with you today. Amen. The first commandment is our title of our message. Who can tell me what the first commandment according to Exodus 20 verse 3 says? I can't hear your mumbling, sorry. You shall have no other God before me. Today we're going to look at where this comes from in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, and what the context was. And then we're going to jump to the first book of the New Testament and see how the Son of God puts the same principle. Exodus 19, verse 3 to 11. Let's read together. And Moses went up to God... And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if, if, I want you to notice this if, it's a very important if. If you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then, very important if, very important then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and 
This is the second promise. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Who knows what that sounds like in the New Testament? In second book of Peter, second book of Peter, we hear that Jesus, Peter calls us as saints, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a holy nation and we are a royal priesthood. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They say yes to what God has asked. So they are saying yes to the if Jesus, our God, spoke to Moses. So Moses brought back to the words of the people to God. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. How many of you know that the third day is very important in the Bible? For the third day, the Lord will come down upon the mountain uh, Sinai. How do you say that? Sinai. That sounds weird. I like Sinai. In the sight of the people. Okay. So this scene is happening three months after the people left Egypt. And seeing God do the impossible by leading them through the Red Sea. And then closing the sea on their enemy, the Egyptians. He speaks to Moses as, uh, and has a message for his people. He reminds them of what he saved them from. So that's what God starts with. Remember what I've done for you. It's only three months ago and I don't know how you will forget the sea opening. But he's reminding them. Do you remember that? Then he makes the if-then statement. That is so powerful. Basically, if they put God first, He will bless them. If you put God first, He will bless them. Moses delivers the message to the elders. They say, yes, they will do the if part. God then says they must prepare by consecrating themselves for two days because on the third day He's coming down the mountain for the people to see. We see they get ready. There's a funny little sentence there where Moses tells the men, stay away from your wives. <laughs> That's part of the consecration. When, when they see, uh, they get ready and then God comes, listen, this is a, an amazing scene. I want to encourage you to go and read the whole chapter 19. We don't have time to do everything, but there's this beautiful thing where it, it explains how God comes in thunderings and smoke and there's the sound of a trumpet and these people are trembling and the earth and the mountain is quaking. Can you just imagine? That was so powerful. And then God speaks with Moses. First, it's a warning to tell the people to stay clear of the foot of the mountain. Before that, he instructed Moses to tell them there are boundaries that they're not allowed to go past. You can come up, but they can't touch the foot of the mountain. And then while he's speaking to them, he says, the people are looking like they want to come near. Go and tell them. Then Moses even argues with God. He says, no, 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 I told them they can't go there. God's like, go down and sort it out. <laughs> so obviously God knew something Moses didn't know. Anyway, then we launch, launch into chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. So this is the scenario. How many of you knew that background to the story? Anyone? 
I saw two hands. Okay. I think it's very important to know this context as we read the Ten Commandments. And now we see the first commandment and the second that ties into it. In Ex- Let's read Exodus 20 verse 3 to 6 together. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not, this is the second one, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the sea that covers everything. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. We then read all of the Ten Commandments, and then we see the people's reaction. Now this whole massive, impressive, overwhelming scene played off in front of them. They heard God speak to Moses. And it says now, from verse 18, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when they saw it, they trembled. And they stood far off. They were like scared children in the corner. And they said to Moses, uh, you, you speak to us. And, and we will hear, but, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. They are super afraid and Moses said to the people listen to the sentence it's very I think it's a little higher grade but let's meditate on it together Moses said to the people do not fear obviously they are fearful he says do not fear for God has come to test you and that listen to this that his fear may be before you do not fear Because God has come to test you and that his fear may be for you. Why? So that you may not sin. I believe Moses is communicating with them to not be afraid, scared afraid of God. But to have the godly biblical fear of the Lord that makes us not sin. I think there's a distinction between those two. He says, don't be afraid like someone who's afraid of falling off a cliff, but have the fear of the Lord that make you not sin. So the people stood far off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, listen to this, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. He is reiterating the first and the second commandment again. This is important to God. Some of the translations say, you will not put anything beside me. In other words, nothing can be as important as me. It can't be more important and it cannot be as important. Amen? How amazing. God is revealing himself to his people in a powerful way with supernatural demonstrations and they are completely freaked out and afraid. Look at what they do. They put Moses first. 
you, you speak to God. I don't want to hear from God lest I die. Okay? He, but Moses says to them, no, 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 no. Don't fear. He has come to test you. And it's only so that you will understand the real fear of the Lord and that you may not sin. What is the, what is the way they could sin? Not putting God first. See how glorious and amazing and massive He is and how big His presence is. You're not even experiencing the fullness of His presence and know that this God is to be feared and to be followed and to be obeyed. And then He he adds that it's about loving Him. We're going to come back to that. When I was reading this, I found it very interesting to note that the people may have been putting Moses before God or beside God because God is giving them the warning do not put anything beside me right after they said Moses you speak to him and because of what happens later in Exodus I think there's a connection I'm going to try to show you just now we see people that who just one chapter ago was ready to do the if part which is to obey his voice and keep his covenant, which is based on relationship. Obey his voice. In other words, hear his voice directly. And keep his covenant. That is out of relationship. They are now so afraid of their God that they don't want to hear from God. They want to hear from Moses. I'm seeing that the if statement is already being watered down. Do you see it? For the next 10 chapters after this moment, we get the rest of the laws that God gave Moses. Over 600. He was away on the mountain with God getting these, and it was taking up to 40 days. 40 days, once again, very important. So now, the man whom the people of God would rather speak to was away for 40 days. Then we read, after all the commandments is given to Moses, we read seemingly out of nowhere at the beginning of chapter 32 of Exodus that the people are frustrated by Moses' delay. They have not heard from the one they put first. And because they haven't heard from the one they put first, they now go to idolatry. They go to Aaron and they say, Hey Aaron, Moses is gone. Let us take all the gold and make a golden calf and worship it. And Aaron says, No, we can't do that. We are waiting for Moses. No. Aaron says, Okay, I will lead this whole freaking thing. And he gets all the gold and they make a golden calf and they start worshiping it. 40 days of not hearing the voice they put first. What if they would have listened to God instead of Moses in that 40 days? While God and Moses is having this intense, powerful, important moment on the mountain where God is revealing His laws to Moses, God tells Moses, my people are worshiping a golden calf. I am going to wipe them from the earth. I'm just going to kill them because they are not able to follow me and love me. Did you know that? God wanted to kill everyone. Just keep Moses. He says, from you I will make a new nation. 
And Moses intercedes for the people. And he says, God, please, I will go and talk to them. And he comes down from the mountain, but he is viciously angry. So angry that he breaks the tablets with the commandments on them. And he speaks to his people and he admonishes them. And then there are vicious consequences for what, hap- for what they did. We won't go into that right now. But I needed us to understand how serious and how important it is for God that his people put him first. Now we're going to go and look at how Jesus puts the first and most important command spoken in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. Let us look at Matthew 22, 36 to 40. He is asked by one of the Sadducees or Pharisees, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Everybody say, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He just said that all those two commandments summarize the whole Old Testament. We see a similar statement in Mark's version, Mark 12, 28 to 31. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Do you see how specific that is? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And he adds one, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Are you hearing this, church? All right. The Son of God, our Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, answers the question, which is the first, the greatest, the most important commandment? He says it is to love God with everything you have. If all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength love God, Is there space for anything else to be loved by your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength? No. Can you see that Jesus is not quoting Exodus 20 verse 3? He's not saying you shall have no other gods before you. He doesn't say that. He also doesn't say you shall not make a carved image and worship it. He doesn't say that. They ask him what's the most important commandment because they know what it is. They know it. But what Jesus is about to reveal to them is that they understand the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Woo! (laughs) Holy Spirit is here. So what is Jesus revealing? 
that the key to understanding and applying the first commandment is that it is all about loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on this. And it goes together with loving your neighbor. Can I focus your attention for one moment again on the name of our church? Love Key Church. The name comes from this fact. That the key to salvation, to coming to Jesus, is the revelation of how much God loves us. And the key to living the life that God has for each and every one of us is to love Him back. Love is the key. And the Bible says if we love Him, we will obey Him. Jesus says it in John 14, 15, and it is repeated in 1 John 5, verse 3. The same chapter that my funny verse came from. Earlier on, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For this is the love of God. Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. What did God bring His people out of, sorry, why did God bring His people out of Egypt and led them to the promised land? Why? Because He loves them. He loves them. He's a father who cares for His people. They were in Egypt initially that Joseph led the people into Egypt. Do you remember that? We spoke about that last year. Joseph was the cause for, pe- for the people of God to get to Egypt in the first place. And they got the best land in Egypt because God wanted them there. God wanted them there. The, 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 the change came with the change of a Pharaoh. I've, I've read and studied and I couldn't find that they were sinning in Egypt. And that's why God put them under oppression. If I'm wrong, one of our theologians here, please come and tell me that they did. There's a verse that says that. But what I find is that they said there was a new Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. And then they started oppressing the people of God. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And why did they oppress them? Because they were thriving. They were becoming more than the Egyptians. They were like little bunnies. And the Egyptians were scared. So they started oppressing them. And God came to save His people. Why? Because he loves them. And he made a covenant with Abraham. Amen. Amen? What does he ask in return? You will have no other God before me. What is the, that is the letter of the law. What is the spirit of that law? Love me. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is what Jesus came to reveal to us. That was the old covenant with God's people. But The new covenant through Jesus Christ has the same principle. We all, as followers of Christ, need to put put God first and thereby Jesus and the Holy Spirit first. If we truly love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then nothing else can come in the way or beside Him or instead of Him because it won't be love. If I tell my wife, I love her, but I step out on her and I spend time and emotional affection with another lady. What am I doing? What would everyone say I'm doing? I'm not, I'm cheating because I'm not loving my wife. 
Why does Christ tell us that our relationship with Him is like a marriage? Because we need to understand that the same way that a married couple need to be faithful, the children of God, the body of Christ, need to be faithful to the bridegroom, Jesus. You're not sort of married. You're not sort of pregnant. You are either married and committed or you're not. And if someone sees that you say you're married, but you don't do what a married man should be doing, then they say you cheat, which, which means you don't love. So if we put anything else in front of God or beside God or make it as important as God, we are not actually in love with God. Do you see that? So the massive question before all of us today is not, can I obey the first commandment? The massive question before each and every one of us is, do I love God first? You can put that question up. Do I love God first? Do I love Him above myself, my boyfriend or girlfriend, my best friend, my spouse, my children, my work, my money, my perfection, my striving for perfection, any addiction I might have, my achievements, my accolades, my position in life, the fact that I'm first of the first competition. Do I put Him first? Do I love God first? first. We are going to take communion. Lord Jesus, as we reflect and respond about your word today, about putting you first and obeying the first commandment, which is to have no other God before you, to not make or have or put anything else beside you or in front of you, Lord, we pray that you will come and help us to have a deep spirit revelation that will get us to the place where we truly say and live that we love you first with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul and all of our strength. Lord, we thank you for this bread that symbolizes how your body was broken on the cross so that we can share in the covenant with our Father in heaven so that we can have life and life everlasting. Lord, as we break this and eat this, we are reminded of what you have done for us. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son so that we will not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for that, Jesus. And as we take this bread, we honor you in Jesus' name. Let us have the bread. And Lord Jesus, we know how powerful your blood is. By your blood that flowed, we are cleansed from sins. And this cup symbolizes your blood that was shed as you were whipped, as you were crucified, as you were mocked and ridiculed for our sakes. Lord, you experienced the Father separated from you for one moment so that we do not have to experience that. Thank you for your blood that was shed for our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Let us have the juice. As we are in this moment, let us close our eyes and focus on Jesus 
And I want each and every one of us to have a serious moment before God today where we are brutally honest with Him and with ourselves. I want each and every one of you to take a moment and ask Holy Spirit, is there anyone or anything that I am putting beside you? In other words, I think it is as important as you or anything that I'm putting above you in my life. Reveal it to me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Take a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Whatever God is revealing to you right now, I want you to see yourself standing before God, holding this thing, holding this idol, holding this God, holding this thing. Or maybe it's more than one thing and you're holding it before Him. And I want you to see yourself speaking to Jesus, speaking to the Holy Spirit, speaking to the Father, saying, Father, I have sinned against you by putting this thing beside you or in front of you. I repent, Lord, and I lay it before you today. And I ask that you will help me to never again put anything else before you. Let us as a church now pray this next part together. Say after me. Father God, today I choose to love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength for the rest of my days. Help me, Holy Spirit, to stay in this place. Remind me if I'm about to veer off the path and help me to stay on track of putting you first, of loving you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us keep this moment. If there's anyone today in this house or online that felt the Holy Spirit minister to them that they need to give their lives to Christ, maybe it's your first time. If there's anyone here today that realizes I've never put God first in any way, shape, or form. I am not born again. I am not saved. I want to be saved. I need Jesus. Please put up your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Anyone else? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Father, you are great. You are glorious. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We honor you. As we stay in this atmosphere of worship, may I ask that those people that put up their hands, will you please come forward? If you stand up for Jesus in this moment, He will stand up for you. Let's come forward. Let's come forward. Can I ask Chavi uh, and Eugemus? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. 
Is, is Drika still here? Drika, can you come as well? Can we have each, each, of you, each one of you? Oh, we have a lady as well. Marley, can you? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. These moments are what it's all about. Lives are changing for the kingdom. And I don't care that we are over time. God is moving in our midst. Amen. Amen. Father God, I thank you for each and every one of these people. I thank you that they have made a decision today to put you first, to make you Lord of their lives. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will minister to their lives in Jesus' name. What I'm about to do is to lead you in a prayer where you choose to follow Jesus, to make Him Lord of your life. In other words, the most important thing in your life, to say that you will lay down your old life and you'll commit to follow Him for the rest of your lives. If you are willing to do that, just nod. You can still get out of this because your whole life is about to be His. Are you still in? Great. All right, let the whole church repeat along with them now. Let's say, Lord Jesus, today I choose to put you first, to make you Lord of my life. I choose to die to myself and come alive in you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross for all my sins. I accept that. I believe that. And from this moment forward, I am your child. I will live for you and I will build your kingdom. Holy Spirit, help me to do this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's a party in heaven because of the four souls here that is now on their way to heaven. Thank you so much for making this commitment. Please chat to us afterwards and we will make sure that you are followed up, you get part of a connect group and this is not the end, this is just the beginning. Thank you so much. You can go back to your seats. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, church. Thank you, everybody online. We will see you next time. Enjoy the new time, 9.30 next Sunday, 9.30 in this place. Bring your friends, bring your family. Hallelujah. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you, your marriage and your family. Bye-bye.